0: Hello skeptics, I'm your host Zoe McDaniel and you're listening to Professional Skepticism. I just wanted to start off this episode by letting you know that I am very much under the weather. I'm definitely starting to feel better than I was, but I have been sick since about Tuesday and at the time that I'm recording this, it is Sunday, so still coughing up all that yummy mucus, Um, so you might hear a little bit of a scratchy voice or just maybe even just a change in the level of my voice, so just bear with me. So the reason that I'm sick is because I just got back from Okeechobee Music Festival that's hosted down in Okeechobee, Florida. I left last Wednesday night with my really close friends, Hannah and Josh, and we drove through the night from like midnight until we didn't get to our campsite until like one. We were supposed to be there at nine. That was what the GPS said. We probably would have been there around like 10, 10:30 with the stops and stuff. I don't really know how that happened, but getting into the festival Took a lot longer because obviously you're getting into a festival and that just always takes long. But also, Okeechobee is like this whole farming town out in the middle of nowhere, essentially. So all the roads are just one lane roads back and forth. So, with I think last year there was 40,000 people that went. I'm sure it was probably somewhere around that same number. So, with that many people trying to get into the festival, it obviously is going to take a lot longer. But it was really fun. It was a four-day music festival, and then we drove from Sunday night at, like, we probably left around 1.30 in the morning Sunday night and got home Monday. I dropped off Hannah and Josh and then drove home. Um, I live about an hour from them. So definitely a lot of movement. I have the Wook flu. Um, if you know, you know. I wanted to start this episode by telling you guys all about Okeechobee. And then we'll go into today's topic. So, Okeechobee was incredibly beautiful and really, really fun. I had such a good time. I laughed so hard, like, probably harder than I've laughed in a really long time, to the point of near tears. I think I probably should have just let them out because I was like reeling them back in and I was breathing so hard from laughing so hard that my chest literally hurt. But I want to tell you the good things and the bad things that happened while we were there. So, first, On the way up to pick up Hannah and Josh and go to the festival, I have a 2020 Jeep, and so it's got a computer, and I got this message that was like, the tire pressure system sensors aren't working, or something along those lines, and I was like, okay, whatever, like, the computer in my car can't read the tire pressure, like, that's fine, the tires are fine. So I don't think anything of it, and I just got my oil changed, so I was like, fuck, these dudes, like, messed up my computer in the car, and now I can't read my tires, but it's fine, like, I'll just keep an eye on them, they should be fine. I mean, we haven't had this type of technology forever, so I don't need it. And so we go, everything's good. We get to the festival, we're camping, whatever. Thursday was really good, nothing happened. And then Friday, we had been charging our phones in the car, and I have automatic lights, and like we were not turning the lights off. I don't know how we missed that. But they were on, and Friday I woke up and... I had rolled down the window in my car and while the car was on because I was like reaching in and out to grab things and then I got in the car and I was going to roll the window up and it wasn't rolling up and I was like why is my window not going up what's going on I'm like okay I'll just turn the car off and turn it back on but my car won't turn off my parking brake is engaged my steering wheel is locked and my car th- it keeps saying put the car into park. And I'm like, okay, like, it's not, it's in park, um, it's not moving, so I, like, try to move the gear shift, and it's not moving, like, at all, and so I start kind of panicking, I'm like, what's going on? And then the computer in my car starts going through, like, this little fucking breakdown, I guess, and saying that all my lights in the cars are out, like, my taillights and stuff, and telling me that, like, all my tires are flat, and the gas is low, like any potential thing that could not be working right with my car. It was telling me that was what was happening. And it was like flashing lights on the screen. And I started freaking out. I was like, I don't know what to do because the car is running. The window is down. I can't just like walk away. And before this, we'd actually got the car to turn off. But I was like, I don't feel comfortable walking away with the window down. Like that just makes me uncomfortable. We put like a garbage can, a garbage can, a garbage bag in the window but it wasn't letting me lock. Like my key fob wasn't working. And so just everything that could go wrong was going wrong with this car. And I've never had car issues. And literally just like maybe three days before the festival, I was talking to somebody on the phone and I was like, yeah, like I have this newer car because I used to have a shitty car and I had a lot of car issues with it. And so I bought a newer model so that I wouldn't have to worry about like repairs and stuff all the time. It never occurred to me that like the computer in my car would be giving me issues. So this is happening. I ended up like turning the car back on. And then this is when all the malfunctioning started to occur. I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. I ask my campmate, shout out to Maurice. If you are listening right now, I fucking love you, dude. Um, friends for life. He comes over and he like starts unplugging shit in my car. Like he lifts the hood and he's trying to take the battery out of my car. And we like let it sit for a minute, plug everything back in. It's still tweaking, still being crazy and Hannah and Josh are trying to go do yoga. It's, like, really fucking hot. Okeechobee was crazy because it would be, like, 85, 90 degrees in the day, and then in the night, it was, like, 60, maybe 55, so it was, like, you couldn't really regulate your temperature at any, well, I don't know, maybe people, like, 55, 60. I get cold, but I was constantly, like, in a state of way too hot or, like, really cold, and so we're just, I'm stressing. I'm trying not to freak out. I was, like, keeping my cool, but, like, mentally i was stressing i'm a very type a person so this was like not good for me finally the car just like kaputs it turns off i was like oh that was my car dying and it just i've never my car's never died so it was going through like all the like nine gates of hell or whatever that thing is and it died and then the campmates on the other side of us jumped my car absolute angels i forgot your name but i didn't tell you about the podcast so if you are somehow listening to this that's crazy Reach out to me. Thank you. But he jumped my car, Hannah and Josh went to yoga. I was like, I'll stay here and get the car working because I could not walk away from this car in like a good state of mind. Like I was not going to be able to just like relax and have fun knowing that my car was like tweaking back at the campsite. So got the car, jumped, turned the car back on. Everything was fine. I let it run for like 30 minutes. I just sat in the car with the AC on and like did my makeup and I was like, okay, I need to chill out. And then while this is happening, I get out of the car and our tent decides that it's like not going to stay in the ground anymore and it's like flying up into the air and so I'm like freaking out. I'm like holding the tent down trying to push the stakes back into the ground and I look up and my cousin is walking by and I haven't seen my cousin in like 15 years so I was like, is that my cousin? And I was like, Cody? And he was like, Zoe? And then we had like a little family reunion and I was like, holy fucking shit. Like I knew he was going to be there. We talk on Instagram. I don't know if he's listening, but shout out Cody if you're listening. He's really dope. And so I knew he was going to be there, but like what were the odds that we would just run into each other with that many people? It was really, really cool. We got a picture. We look super cute. He helps me. He goes and gets like a rubber mallet and like helps me put all the stakes back into the ground. And that was like (laughs) a lifesaver, honestly, because I was freaking out. I was having a hard time doing it by myself. Um, So that was really cool. Like sandwich of, like, really negative and really positive altogether. Later on, we had a tent shade, which we'll talk about later on in this episode, actually, but it's, like, those gazebo things, or I guess everyone calls them different things. They're called easy ups, tent shades, um, like a portable gazebo. I've never heard anyone call it that, but that's the way I would describe it. You know what I'm talking about, like, when you go to the cookout or, like, the fair, and they have those little shade things. Yeah. So we had one of those, and There's obviously like the four metal legs or arms or whatever you want to call it. It was super windy. So it's like really fucking hot and super windy. One of the legs was torn in half and it's like a metal, it's a piece of metal, but it looked as if. Like, the way I described it to people was, it looked like somebody, like, sawed it in half with, like, a chainsaw or, like, a torch and, like, blew through it. So it was no fixing it. It wasn't like there was a screw that came out. It was just, like, a piece of metal, like, completely cut in half. And I was like, literally, how the fuck is this possible? And, of course, it would happen to us. All things considered, things were going well so far. Like, we, no one was freaking out too much. We we got it together. But we ended up having to take it down because... It was moving. Like, for some reason, I guess Hannah and Josh and I are not the best at camping, I would say. I think we did pretty good for our, for my first camping festival, but like, we're not people who camp. So like, our shit was coming out of the ground with this crazy wind. And so we had moved it from just like being on the ground to putting it over our tent. And so when it broke, it was like falling onto our tent. So we had to take it down. So that's like the logistical stuff that was going wrong. Meanwhile, I'm having an allergic reaction like this whole weekend and not realizing what's happening. So, I'm on like a lot of medications that like make my skin very sensitive, so I was like just telling myself that was what was going on. I was like I'm in the sun. It's not sunny or warm in North Carolina. It's well, it was conveniently the one weekend that we were out of town. It was like 80 degrees. Now it's like 20 degrees outside, which that's how North Carolina is, but I'm telling myself like, you know, I haven't been in the sun. It's a sun rash. I'm sweaty. I'm disgusting. Haven't really showered like that. I'm covered in dirt and all the dust and stuff from the festival, so my my pores are clogged. I'm just getting a little sun rash, and it started from, like, the day we got there. I'm not allergic to anything other than, like, medications, so I was like, okay, whatever, but as the, like, days go on, I have these spots all over me, and I did get bit by, like, what I think was an ant, but I've never been allergic to ants, so I was like, okay, wahoo, like, <laughs> why did I say wahoo? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, big deal. Got bit by an ant. Not a big deal. Ah! I can't talk. And so I got bit by an ant. I'm like, whatever. And I think that's what it was, or maybe just the grass or, like, the pollen in Florida because I haven't been out in fucking Okeechobee before. Anyways, start getting spots all over my body. It's, like, Saturday night, and I'm, like, fucking tweaking, essentially. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, my body is in so much pain. I thought I was having a panic attack, and then everyone was just like, no, I think your, like, skin is fine. Like, you're probably just anxious, whatever. And so I'm like telling myself, I'm like, it's fine. Nothing's wrong. After, so I ended up standing at the rail for eight hours to hold our spot because we had to see Megan the Stallion front row and we had to see Grizz front row. And there was a bunch of other really good people at that stage. So it wasn't like an issue really for me to stand there other than just like having to get in and out to go to the bathroom and stuff. So I was like holding our spot. And by the end of the night, I was like, I literally feel like I'm on fire. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? So we go back to the campsite because it's cold and we're like, we need to change. And Hannah's like, let's go back out. And I was like, I'm not going back out. There's something wrong with my feet. And I take off my socks, and my toes are, like, swollen up like sausages, and I have cankles, and, like, my legs are, like, all dark red splotchy. And I was like, yeah, that's not good. So I just, like, went to sleep, and then the next morning... My eyes were like crusted shut when I woke up and I was like, maybe I should go by the medical tent and just see what's going on. And I had already taken like Benadryl and stuff at this point because I figured something was going on. And they told me they were like, there's nothing we can do other than give you that. And then they just like slathered me in lotion and creams and stuff. And they told me that basically I had already like peaked in the allergic reaction, but whatever it was, I was definitely having a reaction because I was like covered in hives and a rash and the night before, my tongue was, like, bothering me in my mouth. I was like, it doesn't just feel casually in my mouth the way that it should. It's, like, swollen and kind of tastes like blood, but I thought maybe I'd, like, bit my tongue. Okay, this is a lesson for me and anyone else to trust your body. If something just feels weird, go to the medical tent. I just didn't want to be, like, a buzzkill, and I didn't want to, like, spend all night in the medical tent, and I was like, I'm fine. Like, it's, I'm just being, like, I'm exaggerating, but it was not okay. So, Yes, I was bit by something or I'm allergic to something. And now I probably won't go back to Okeechobee because I don't know what I'm allergic to. And I don't want to be like uncomfortable. Cause like honestly, the last day I was a mega bitch because I did not feel well. And I was like, I'm ready to go. That's why we left in the middle of the night because I was like, I don't want to wake up here again. Cause every day that I woke up there, it was like progressively worse. So that happened. Then on the way home at like 430 in the morning, my tire message comes on and it's like, your tires are low. And I was like, I don't believe it because on the way up here, it was telling me that it couldn't sense my tires. So I was like, well, it's probably not. But then I checked the gauge and all of them said like 45, which by the way, is not accurate. I'm supposed to be filled up to like 33, but it said like all of them were 45 except one and it was like at 25. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to like chill out. That's not too far off. And then I checked it again, like two minutes later and it was at like 14. And I was like, okay, let me just pull over at the gas station and just take a look. And I get out of my car at the gas station and I just hear like, so much air coming out. It was so loud. I was like, oh my fucking God. I didn't even like hit anything that made me think, oh no, like I should be concerned about my tires. So it was really kind of like out of the blue and Hannah and Josh are sleeping in the car and like as soon as I park the car, Hannah wakes up and I'm like, I know how to change a tire. Don't even worry. I've got this. I unpack our fully packed car and there's no tire. There's no spare tire in my little thing. There's, like, a little machine, which I found out from the auto shop man that it's, like, a way to pump my tire with air so that I can, like, get to a gas station instead of being on the side of the road. Who the fuck wants that? Like, just put a fucking tire in there. I would rather change a tire on the side of the road than, like, pump my empty or broken tire get to the gas station, and then call someone to bring me a spare. Like, that shit is so stupid. I'm, Jeep, I got something to say to you. Like, I'm really upset about that. So that shit pissed me the fuck off. I guess I should have known that was irresponsible of me to not know that I didn't have a tire, but, like, it's a fucking Jeep. You would expect there to be a tire. I've never had a car that didn't have a tire in it. So, anyways, I'm annoyed about that. I'm, like, running around the gas station. I'm running up to strangers that are at the gas station at 4.30 in the morning. And I'm like, hey, do you have a spare tire that I can buy off of you? Like, please. I didn't even have a jack, so I don't know what I was thinking. I went into the Waffle House across the street and asked people. And they were like, we don't have cars. Like, we didn't drive here. So... I'm freaking out. We're calling AAA and they're like, oh, we don't offer spare tire services. Like if you have one, we can change it. But like we won't bring you one and we can tow your car for 100 miles, but then you have to pay for the additional and we can only take one person. And I have three people and all this fucking camping gear. So I'm like, well, that's not going to work. And then this like angel of a man comes out of nowhere and he's like, I can patch your tire. So he patches my tire. We hit the road. We get home, everything's good. I drop off Hannah, I go and get my tire, like, actually patched, like, permanently, and then I drive, like, an hour home. So that's all the fucking crazy shit that happened to me at Okeechobee. It was also incredibly beautiful. Like, like I said, I saw my cousin after 15 years. He only lives, like, a state away from me. So it was kind of funny that, like, we would see or run into each other, like, nine plus hours away from home. The universe is funny like that. I saw a bunch of people that I know and love. And I had no service, so, like, if you were there and I didn't see you, I'm so sorry. I got all my texts when I got home, but I had no service the whole time, so Verizon, I have an issue. I think AT&T and, like, T-Mobile had really good service out there, so might be considering switching. But, yeah, it was beautiful. All All the artists were amazing. Literally everyone that I saw that I either knew or didn't know, like, if I wasn't a fan of them, I became a fan of them. The vibes were really good. The art was beautiful. I bought, like, this super cute little jumpsuit. What was the best part? Like, I probably couldn't tell you. Every day was really good. So, if you're considering going to Okeechobee, I definitely recommend it. Bring some allergy medication just in case you're like me and you're allergic to something randomly. But everyone that I met was an angel. Everyone was so willing to help us out of all of these pickles that we found ourselves in. So, that's my story. If you're close to me, you've heard it. So, this is probably like the third time you've heard it because I'm still recovering from that. But I wanted to tell my story so that I could kind of set the tone for today's topic, because it was both a beautiful and annoying experience, and it seems like that was the case for this music festival that we're going to talk about today, Elements Music Festival 2021, hashtag Helements. So let's just go ahead and dive in, because I've been talking for 20 minutes. Elements Music and Arts Festival was created and founded by Brett Herman and Timothy Mankiewicz. Monkey wigs? Brett and Tim began their journey in the music festival scene with their event company called Bang On New York City. And every time I see this, I my brain's like, head on, apply directly to the forehead, but with Bang On. If you know, you know. Those commercials <laughs> were like my favorite thing as a child. Okay, so Bang On New York City. They would take over Brooklyn warehouses and turn them into elaborate, immersive experience type parties for Halloween and New Year's Eve and like other holidays and events, stuff like that. Their 2021 Halloween party was called Warehouse of Horrors. These are the kinds of raves that I really would like to go to, so who's with me? Please and thank you. Elements began in 2013, and it was originally held in New York City as a one-day festival, but by 2017, as it grew in popularity, it expanded into a three-day music festival and was moved to a location about three hours outside of New York City in northeast Pennsylvania. Elements has four stages, one for each of the four elements, so fire, water, earth, and air. It sounds really cool. Some of the past lineups have included artists like, um, okay, Bass Nectar, but don't worry, like, I'm not supporting that. We're gonna have a whole episode on Bass Nectar, so don't you worry, skeptics. Tipper, Sunburn, Liquid Stranger, Rez, Jai Wolf, Spangle, Troy Boy, Chris Lake, Minnesota, Fisher... Charles the first, rest in peace, baby. Disclosure, Closey, Grizz, dip. Oh my God. My, <laughs> I'm using my iPad and my, my Google Docs autocorrected diplo to diploma. Love that. Claude Von Stroke, Ganja White Knight, Toki Monsta, Rusko, Manic Focus, Super Task, and so many more. So the lineups are pretty good and you can see all the lineups on their website. Some of the activities that they offer at the music festival, obviously aside from the music, include yoga, meditation, flow painting, karaoke, blackjack, talent shows, sound healing, breathwork classes, astrology classes, and immersive art experiences. So I have a weird fun fact for you. Elements Music Festival actually still held their festival in 2020 amidst the global pandemic. It was a reduced version of the festival, but as it seems, things actually ran very smoothly according to EDMidentity.com. And I got a lot of information from EDMidentity.com. I'd never heard of them before, so maybe I'm just living under a rock. But they required a two-part test with a home test before traveling to the event, followed by an on-site test before entry. And apparently the testing was simple in theory, but was actually really frustrating in practice. They were told that the tests would take just 30 minutes once on site, but they ended up taking 45 minutes at the very least, and that was if lines were moving as planned. So the EDM Identity team said that their testing process took about three hours because there was a backlog of tests when they got there. But I think the fact that they actually took the time to process the tests and successfully held the festival is really cool, but I'm surprised that they were able to get around government regulations to do so like this early in the pandemic. So before we get into what happened, I want to mention that Bonnaroo was actually scheduled for the same weekend as Elements. And it wasn't originally scheduled. I think it's normally held in like June, but it had been postponed. And I'm talking about the 2021 one. So the 2020 Bonnaroo was postponed until 2021. And then around June, we were having all these variants. I think it was the Delta variant at the time, and it got pushed to September. So it was scheduled to be the same weekend as Elements. But Bonnaroo canceled the festival. Granted, it was a day before the festival started, so a lot of people were fucking pissed off. But that was the responsible and ethical thing to do, and they saved their asses in the long run. is in Tennessee, so they're definitely in different places. Tennessee and Pennsylvania aren't, like, super close, but they both got flooded due to Hurricane Ida. And no one wants to camp where there's a flood. Like, either close the campsites and refund the camping passes so people can get hotels, or... You're a festival. Use your natural disaster liability coverage or whatever you have. Or like cancel the festival. I don't really understand. I don't know. But let's let's get into it. So you might be wondering, like, what happened? I kind of hinted at it already. Many people claim that the Elements fiasco was similar to the Fire Festival tragedy. Capital T on that one. I think that's a gross exaggeration. And like I would know because we're going back to my roots, baby. We're talking about Fire Festival. Either way, the conditions were definitely not ideal. So Elements was scheduled to take place in September of 2021 over Labor Day weekend. Hurricane Ida decided to make her appearance at this time. And obviously prior to this, um, because what happened to the northeast of the U.S. was kind of like the aftermath. According to Wikipedia... Ida was a Category 4 Atlantic hurricane that became the second most damaging and intense hurricane to make landfall in the U.S. state of Louisiana on record, behind Hurricane Katrina in 2005. Okay, I have to tell this story because every time I think of Hurricane Katrina, it flashes in my mind. It's like one of those things that I said that was like really embarrassing that I like think about at night at like 3 in the morning when I can't sleep. So I'm going to tell the whole podcast just to get it off my chest. My therapist said that, like, whenever you do something you're embarrassed about, tell three people, and then it's not as embarrassing anymore. Like, you know, obviously time makes things better. So, like, after so many years or whatever, it's not quite as bad. But, like, when you're in the initial, like, holy shit, I can't believe I did that, you should tell people, and it will help you get past that. And I do that, and it really does help. I mean, tell people you trust, um, depending on the nature of it. So, one time, I think I was talking to my friend Elena and Hannah. Um, the same hand I went to Okeechobee with. And we were. it was when one of the hurricanes was happening. I think it was like my first year at UNC Charlotte. Classes were canceled and stuff. And we were talking about the hurricane. And I remember saying something like, my dad survived Hurricane Katrina. So like, I think we'll be fine. But what I meant to say was Hurricane Hugo, which was a hurricane that hit North Carolina, I think in the 90s. um, And it was pretty bad. Like the whole city of charlotte had like no power or water for like a really long time and that was probably like one of the worst ones that had come through here like typically when we have hurricanes now we just get really really bad storms trees fall down and stuff like that but this was one that like pretty much put the city out of commission for like a good bit so that's what i was trying to say like hurricane hugo but i said hurricane katrina which is obviously a completely different hurricane and like way 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 more serious and everyone was just like oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And I was like, yeah, it's okay. And then it didn't occur to me until later that I definitely said Hurricane Katrina. And I was like, what the fuck? I just like told a bold face lie. So I got that off my chest. (laughs) It's out there. But yeah, Ida caused tornadoes and catastrophic flooding like all across the Northeastern US. According to Wikipedia in Pennsylvania, an EF2 tornado caused damage in Montgomery County, Knocking down trees and power lines, and tearing off the roof of the Upper Dublin Police Department. A cab. A woman actually died because the tornado blew a tree down onto her house, and a man was found dead after drowning in his vehicle. So this was pretty serious and really, really sad. It's really tragic. Multiple EF one and EF two tornadoes touched down in other areas of Pennsylvania as well, and in eastern Pennsylvania, heavy rain and flooding occurred. And Ida caused a hundred million dollars in damage to southern Pennsylvania. So pretty much all over, it was getting hit. It was safe to say that Ida definitely caused some pretty bad damage, and unfortunately the festival grounds were affected by the heavy rains and flooding. An Elements Music Festival representative told Vulture that Ida had flooded the area earlier that week of the festival, and they could no longer use about two-thirds of their parking area for campers. Organizers state that they were aware of the situation prior to the Thursday before the festival, and they were hoping that things would dry up by Thursday night. But when that time came, the space was still flooded, but there was no call made to notify the festival goers of a change in plans or to cancel. They went forward with their plans as usual, aside from relocating the parking areas and deciding to tell the attendees the new directions when they arrived on site on Friday. At 11.30 a.m. on Friday morning, Elements sent an email to festival goers prohibiting easy-ups, so those tent-shade gazebo things that I was talking about earlier, due to limited camping space, but they didn't inform festival goers of the issues that were occurring at the site. The email stated that they were strictly enforcing the 8x8 camping spaces, which seems super tight to me, but also I have like no perception of depth at all, like I don't even know how big our campsite probably was at Okeechobee, so. But most attendees were already on their way to the festival, and they didn't have service to read the emails anyway. Festival goers were informed to park their cars down a walking trail and then carry all of their camping gear about a mile to where the shuttles would pick them up and take them to their campgrounds. This would have been absolutely impossible for us at Okeechobee. We had so much stuff. There's Twitter videos of people lugging around their shit on like the wet ass grounds and it does feel very similar to the footage of fire like there's people standing around there's like one guy kind of like shouting trying to direct people where to go and everyone looks pissed off and the luggage is just everywhere but okay so Okeechobee was my first camping festival and we got to park our cars in one lane like all the cars would be in one lane and then you'd have a camping lane right next to it and that was where you'd put all your stuff and then that pattern was followed all throughout the campsite so it'd be like car camp car camp car camp so the idea of parking my car and then walking to the campsite seems like super weird to me in a way I can understand why like The camping experience might be a little bit better with with cars not just scattered everywhere. But also, like, that's how people charge their phones and make their cars die and their batteries and, like, whatever else they might need. And, like, what if you have an emergency and you need to leave and now you have to haul your camp gear back to your car? I don't know. I'm very much like a worried old grandmother trapped in a young woman's body, so I always think of the worst-case scenarios. I'm not sure if this is common for other festivals because I've only camped at one, or if this is just because, like, the original camping setup got disrupted by the flooding. Festival goers say that there was no staff on site, and that it was all volunteers who had no idea what was going on. People were waiting in lines as long as 3 to 16 hours, which, like, okay, the 3 hours is maybe a little bit more understandable, but 16 is fucking insane. Unacceptable. But 3 to 16 hours to get into their campsites, and a lot of people actually ended up missing the first day of the festival, which fucking sucks. I would be so pissed off. This sounds really similar to the weird-ass, like, traffic and camping problems that Lost Lands 2021 faced, which was later on in the month of September. I know that it rained a lot, pretty sure, and I think that was what caused, like, there was, like, flooding, and Lost Lands is in Ohio, you know, but it was in the same month, so 2021 was, like, a rough month for festival goers. I'm not sure of the specifics exactly, but I did have friends who had to get hotel rooms on the first night instead of camping as they had originally intended, which sucks, like, no one wants to have to do that especially if you're planning to camp. With any festival, there's going to be some issues. That's like just the nature of it. Obviously, people took to Twitter to talk about this, but I wanted to see if the Lost Lands issues were worth, you know, any of the big EDM news channels like publishing anything about it. So I looked it up. I didn't see anything about that issue particularly, but I did see that a shuttle got overturned at the 2021 Lost Lands and nine people were injured. One person was airlifted to the hospital and two were taken to the hospital with broken bones and the rest were treated by medics at the scene. So like I said, September was rough. When you go to these festivals, you're really putting your body to the test. I know I am. I have the worst immune system, so even if I don't get hurt or have an allergic reaction, a mildly severe one, um, I always come back really sick, so I'm just I'm glad those people are okay. According to Vulture, festival-goer Blair Himlep was told by a volunteer parking attendant to, quote, manifest a parking spot. And then another volunteer told her to sleep in her car and to try again the next day. I would be like, excuse me? What the fuck? She then waited with other campers for eight hours before they were told that no more shuttles were coming to pick them up. So they had, like, lugged all their stuff down to where the shuttles were supposed to be, and then no one came, and then they had to pick it back up and leave. So they packed up their stuff, and they went to a hotel. Um, an Elements representative told Vulture that no one on the team was instructed to tell campers to sleep in their cars, but, like, hey. A volunteer. They were probably just giving them their honest opinion on that. I also saw some tweets implying that they were telling campers that they were at capacity and campers had to pay additional money to park, which would make me so pissed off. It's like, I already paid for the camping stuff. That's why I'm here. Why do I have to pay extra? I guess maybe the parking spaces that they had were smaller than the original plans, but There were a few tweets of people complaining that their cars were stuck in the mud, so not only did they have to pay additional money to park their cars, but they also had to pay to get their cars towed out of the mud after struggling to get in contact with tow companies due to the lack of cell service. So, not dissimilar to other festivals, many people did not have service. By Saturday morning, the porta-potties were literally overflowing. People started going to the bathroom outside, just like wherever I saw a photo of the porta-potties on EDM.com, and I literally wanted to peel my eyeballs out of my head. That shit was so fucking disgusting. There was, like, little turds on the ground and, like, straight-up diarrhea and throw up, like, coming out of the top. So fucking gross. You should look it up. Festival rules prohibited attendees from bringing into the festival a refillable water bottle that was larger than one liter. So... That was the, like, max that you could bring in. And there were only three water stations, which, according to EDM Identity, none of them were listed on the maps, like, the camp maps that people had. So, like, what the fuck? And it took about three to five minutes to fill half a liter of your bottle. So lines were insanely long. Like, the water pressure was very slow. And then they ran out of filtered water by Saturday morning, and people had to pay for small bottled waters. Festival goers were claiming to find packs of water bottles near the stages, like I guess for the staff, and then they would just take them and pass them around to each other. People were literally just setting up their camps wherever they could, and apparently they had a lake that was advertised as being swimmable at the water stage, which in theory sounds super cool. But on Saturday, EMTs showed up and began instructing everyone to get out of the water. People said that they were screaming like, shark and get out of the water! But they didn't have megaphones or anything, so it was just a bunch of dudes, like, screaming at the top of their lungs, which is so scary. When we were at Okeechobee, during Clozy's set, we were under, like, one of the stages had this, like, really cool rainbow kind of, like, shade tint thing. And there was, like, big tree poles, and people had those tightrope lines set up on them so they could walk and balance. And people were walking on them during this set, and the set was really, like, packed and they were bumping into people walking on it. I'm like, okay, whatever, that's fine. Like, y'all have probably been here all day doing that. But this guy comes up behind me, screaming at the top of his lungs, like, GET OFF THE FUCKING ROPE! And I was like, ah! like, please don't scream in my ear. Because he was like, it's gonna snap! It's gonna snap! So I'm just imagining it being like that. And, like, just already a festival is very loud and lots of people. And, like, it was the last night and I wasn't feeling well. Um, so this, I can imagine, like, especially being in the water and they're like, get the fuck out of the water! I would be, yeah, I would be really scared. So, rumors as to why the water activities were canceled and the lake was evacuated include insufficient staffing, so I guess, like, lifeguards or people to monitor, dangerous algae blooms, burst septic tanks that drained drained into the lake, but there was never a confirmed reason. And it seems like most of the sources I saw, most of them referenced the burst septic tanks it was probably just the fact that the fucking porta potties were overflowing and it's like flooded out there, so like it's just draining into the water. There was um at Okeechobee they have Aqua Chobi and the water was kinda gross. Like I feel like in all the videos and stuff it looks like super pretty. It's just like brown water. I mean I got like my feet in it and stuff, but I saw these dudes. It was so funny. They'd like had a bottle of Dawn dish soap and they were just washing their bodies like in the water instead of like using the showers. I was like, hey, I mean, whatever. That's smart. Probably shower tokens were $10. Tim and Brett told Forbes magazine that they created a consulting service called Tested Contained Retreats to ensure that attendees were COVID-19 free. So this is the company that they used to conduct testing for the 2020 Elements event that they hosted. And it seemed to run very smoothly aside from just longer times, like wait times that they had expected. All attendees of the 2021 festival needed a negative test or proof of vaccination, but supposedly no one was enforcing this rule many people tested for positive for covid after the festival however an elements representative says that they used crowd pass to verify attendees and performed online or performed offline checks when they had no internet so it's like some people are saying that they were some people are saying that they weren't i have a feeling that like maybe some people got tested or like were checked and some people weren't EDM Identity claims that the ticket check-in was chaotic and there was virtually no security, which is debatably good and bad. Like, obviously, you don't want people bringing in, like, guns and shit. But, I mean, you know. Wow. Okay. I just had, like, a coughing fit. So, yeah. No security. Volunteers were stressed the fuck out to the point of, like, screaming and crying. Bags were patted down, and that was, like, about as far as security checks were going. I think volunteers were, like, checking the cars, too. The cabins had malfunctioning showers, toilets, and sinks. They ran out of vegetarian options for people to eat, which makes me sad. And the limits on bringing in food and water put people in tough situations. Many vendors just, like, ran out of food in general. There was no general store. Speaking of general, which is, like, crazy to me. That's a basic necessity for festival goers to buy, like, last-minute supplies and ice. We spent so much money on ice at Okeechobee. There was supposed to be a general store. But the vendor was like, I can't come in and set up with all this flooding. So that's like a sign, in my opinion. You should have taken that and been like, well, maybe we shouldn't do the camping shit right now. Wellness activities were limited. Pools and lakes were closed, like I mentioned. And at least one main stage DJ canceled last minute. But I couldn't figure out who this was. So that came, I believe, from EDM Identity. I said that weird. EDM Identity. I couldn't figure out who it was. I tried to find it, but. I'm sure I could, like, scour Twitter for it, but I don't think it's that deep. There were also a ton of issues for people with disabilities, which breaks my heart. EDM Identity claims that the fire stage was likely the only one that was wheelchair accessible, and there were no places to, like, recharge your electric wheelchairs. And someone on crutches fell down, and staff refused to help them up. I don't know. These are just things that, like, were reported. A woman with arthritis asked staff to help her carry her stuff when they were lugging all their camping gear. No one helped her. There was only one medic tent with two medics, apparently, and it was located at the furthest corner of the campsite from the stages. Not surprisingly, a Facebook group started after the festival, and as of December 2021, there were more than 6,500 members discussing their personal experiences and encouraging one another to join the lawsuit. So we're going to get into the lawsuit. And by the way, I think I mentioned it later, but there was like, roughly 6,800 people who attended the festival so for there to be 6,500 people in this Facebook group says a lot about the experience so elements response to this let's talk about that they went on social media and they called day one a happy roller coaster and people were fucking pissed like rightfully so I'd be like are you fucking kidding me that's like when fire festival got on there and pretended like the second day was gonna happen they were like don't worry Day one got off to a rocky start, but day two is going to be great. Like, fuck you. Your artists aren't even there. You don't even have stages up. Like, what the hell? After the festival, Elements organizers took to Instagram to make some announcements where they apologized for the conditions of the festival and blamed it on delays and water damage caused by Hurricane Ida, which is true. They provided an email address, elements2021 at elementsfest.us for people to send their complaints to and they claimed that they would respond to all of the emails that they received. Three weeks later, they made another apology post, basically taking accountability, saying that they should have communicated the situation much earlier since they were aware of the conditions, and also because they knew that cell service could be, quote, uneven. They gave 33% discounts on 2022 tickets to anyone who had attended the 2021 festival, so basically, it's a three-day festival, you're only paying for two if you went to 2021, and you just had to put in, like, your festival wristband id or something like that and you would get the discount they state that they will absolutely learn from this and they'll do better in the future and they've prepared an advisory council of top professionals in the festival community and are taking surveys from attendees to gather input on the experience to make it better brett and tim have made the decision to move the festival to long pond pennsylvania in 2021 there were roughly 6,800 attendees and over 100 artists that attend the festival. They claim that the new venue has built-in infrastructure and a history of hosting events that can handle up to five times that number, so that's good. The venue also has a shorter drive from all major cities and is just minutes from the highway, which I that kind of sucks because I've been to festivals that are really close to the highway and in major cities, and I've also been to festivals that are in the middle of nowhere. And I think there's benefits and drawbacks to both. It's really nice to be out in the middle of nowhere and just, like, away from everything. You get a scenic drive out there. You get to disconnect from your technology. But it's also really scary if you have an emergency and you need to get the fuck out of there quickly. Because, like, the last hour to getting to Okeechobee and to, like, Lost Lands, too, is there's not much. There's not much civilization aside from, like, farmhouses and stuff. So it's like a... Good thing and a bad thing, I guess. It just kind of depends on, like, your perspective of what you're looking for out of a festival, whether you want to be closer to the highways and cities or out in the middle of nowhere. The new venue is also built on level ground with a drainage system, so you can arrive and leave with ease in any weather. And there is increased accessibility with multiple paved roads and entrances in and out. So that's all from their website. People took to social media to beg for refunds, but the festival organizers never made any mention of refunding attendees for the hardships that they endured. They were really good about not saying anything about money. I think the like discount that they were giving people for the 2022 tickets was kind of like their apology. And I think that's probably about as much as people are going to get unless this legal case actually goes to court and they, they get the money from it. According to EDM.com, the festival website claims that there are absolutely no refunds aside from if the event were canceled due to COVID-19 related government restrictions. So technically, the event was not canceled, but let's get into this court case that I keep mentioning. So people are obviously upset because the organizers knew that the camping and parking spaces were flooded and they knew that there would be no service for people to call for help. So many people argue that they had plenty of time to call it off, see Bonnaroo for reference. Like, the same situation was what was going on with Bonnaroo. It was flooded, and they were like, no, we can't do this. But Elements chose to continue on. Frank Prokilo is a New York lawyer who is gathering evidence of everything that went down at the festival to build a case for the festival goers to receive refunds, since the festival didn't live up to its promises of having food and water and, like, a safe parking camping space. The essentials, basically. On December eighth, twenty twenty-one, a class action lawsuit was announced, organized by three attendees: David Ross, Jessica Navarro. Was... Right. <laughs> My brain. Okay, Jessica Navarro and Moya Ferenchak. They are seeking five million dollars for Elements Festival goers due to the unfulfilled promises and chaotic conditions, according to the Pocono Record. Complaints of the following allegations were submitted to the U.S. District Court Southern District of New York for breach of implied covenant of good faith and fair dealing, negligence, gross negligence, negligent misrepresentation, unjust enrichment, and the violation of New York general business law. Elements Production LLC, bang on, applied directly to the forehead, New York City, Tested Contained Retreats, which was um, LLC, which was the COVID-19 testing company that they stood up, Brett Herman and Timothy Mankiewicz, have been named as defendants. According to the Pocono Record, the firms representing these plaintiffs are Los Angeles Base Garagos and Garagos, which obtained the $2 million settlement for those who attended the disastrous fire festival on the Bohemian island of Great Exuma in 2017 and Kirkland and Packard LLP is the other firm that's um, helping them in this case. They're they're demanding a jury trial. I haven't been able to find any news updates on the case because this was in December, and we all know how slow our judicial system here is in the U.S., so it'll be a while before we hear anything about a trial. Um, I'll let you guys know as soon as I know, but Brett and Tim say that the class action lawsuit doesn't have any merit, and that they put on a show that thousands of people enjoyed despite hardships attributed to COVID-19 and Hurricane Ida, according to the Pocono record. And they finally did admit that they, they came up short, and they just got so focused on making the stages and the art that they didn't make sure that they had their infrastructure up to snuff, which is... I don't know why I wrote that. Up to snuff is, like, such a weird saying to me. Because, like, snuff films is... Like it doesn't make sense to me. Also, I wanted to throw this in there. This was so weird. I saw this interview on, I think it was edm.com with Brett and Tim, and it was from 2018, like before all of this. Brett says that the most memorable moment he's had while running Elements was, quote, walking on hot coals in my underwear. I think it's the perfect metaphor for event production. I feel like that kind of alluded to what happened here, but overall, The festival looks really cool and it seems like people did have a good time while they were there like aside from all the camping. I I bet if you were like staying in a hotel it was probably a really fun time and you didn't have to deal with any of that. Maybe some traffic from people who were camping trying to get in and out but overall it seems like a really cool festival. I think that people are upset about the situation. I think that maybe refunds are necessary. I hope that they do get at least some justice in that court case just because People were put in unsafe situations, definitely. And I feel like we've seen so many festivals go wrong at this point. It seems like this is a problem that probably shouldn't have happened. Maybe they should have canceled it, or maybe they should have just been prepared for something like this. Like, this isn't the first time that we've had heavy rains at a music festival. And I get that when you go to a music festival, you're kind of... You need to be aware that these kinds of situations can happen. Like, it's not all their fault, but also like it just seems like at this point we should be a little bit more prepared for these kinds of situations, have a backup plan in case something does happen. But I think like they said, they just they get really excited about all of the art and the experience that they didn't really think about that, which isn't acceptable, I will say. But it does look super cool. You should look up some pictures. I'll definitely post some. It looks very like all consuming. I'd love to go some, to some of their warehouse parties too. They have really good lineups. The stages are beautiful. Um, so overall, it seems like a good experience. I do think that they are, aside from like being a little bit stingy with the festival goers, I do think that they are taking this to heart and trying to turn this around. It's probably a good thing that this is a smaller festival. Like 7,000 people isn't really too many. So it's not like they have like this huge grand scale festival and had all these people like stuck out there. But I'm hoping going forward that they can take this and really learn from this situation. And it seems like they are because it seems like a cool festival. Like I would be interested in going. But I think if I was someone who went to the 2021 festival and then they were like, you can get a discount on the 2022 and I was upset, I would be like, I'm not fucking going back. Like, are you kidding me? Also, I just took a look at their Instagram page, which is where I got some of this information of like the announcements that they made and the Founder Tim went on there and he was talking a little bit more about the venue. And he said that while it is, you know, just four minutes off the highway, it is completely surrounded by nature. There's a thousand flushing toilets on site. It's like completely ran by solar panels. Basically, it's just so much better than the other possibilities that they had. Also, they're offering regular camping. So, like, you just drive up your car and camp next to it. So, like, what we did at Okeechobee, which seems a lot better. So, they don't have to lug their shit around. There's plenty of RV parking. So it seems like that should be a lot better for them. So I'm hoping that Elements goes better for them this year. Aside from the new venue, they're also promising to have a much better and well-trained staff. They have that new advisory council. They're trying to make it more affordable. So they're doing monthly payment plans. And they're overall just trying to really take in all the feedback that everybody had. So I'm I'm hoping for the best. I don't want to be a negative Nancy. I don't want to we're not going to cancel Elements Music Festival. We're going to let them learn from this because it does seem like a really cool experience and I would be interested in going. That is my story for today. I wanted to keep it short and sweet because I wanted to talk about my experience at Oki, and I just felt like this would be like a fun topic. You guys know I love talking about music festivals. I have a lot more in the works I want to talk about. I'd love to talk about Coachella and their founder who is questionable at best and I'd love to, we're definitely going to talk about Astroworld, I'm just waiting on some more of the legal information to come out. Some like non-festival related topics are going to be artists with like low vibrational frequencies um, and how they impact our daily lives. I'd also love to talk about the transition from physical copies in the world of music to streaming. So it's going to be really fun. I also have a little bit of news I probably should have announced at the beginning, but I was talking with Pablo a couple of weeks ago, and I kind of mentioned this before, but he has suggested doing kind of tangents or different little bits here and there to be more interactive with you guys. So something I'm thinking of introducing are bonus episodes. I'm not going to disrupt my regular Wednesday episodes. So every Wednesday, you'll have your regular episode. But I'm thinking of doing a little bonus series of local artists in the Charlotte area. I go to open mic nights, and... I've met a ton of really talented artists there, and I have a huge passion for music. I don't do music there. I do poetry, but music, comedy, poetry, all of that good stuff, I think it would be really cool to have some people on, do some interviews, maybe even talk about some um, scandalous music topics with them, have them play some music, get some exposure, and just have something fun in between episodes to kind of keep it fresh here and there. It wouldn't be like an every week thing. It would just be like maybe, maybe once a month, maybe every couple of months, just do something fun like that. Um, So I'd love to hear you guys' feedback on that. I'm thinking of maybe setting up like a website and a Patreon as well. Any feedback that you guys have, any ideas, I'd love to hear them send them my way. Um, But for now, I think we're going to wrap up this week and I will see you guys next week. You know what to do. Follow us at Podcast. That's at P-R-O-F-S-K-E-P podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And you can always email me at professional skepticism podcast at gmail.com. Stay sus skeptics. Love you guys. See you next week.